0: Hello, I'm Andrew Gentile.
1: And I'm Ariana.
0: And you're listening to Behind the Flicks. This show is all about me sharing as many facts as I know about filmmaking, directors, and behind-the-scenes info about movies and whatnot to Ariana. You'll join us for the ride. So, Ariana, can we get a review of this episode's film?
1: Yes, today we're talking about Dr. Strangelove and how I... Uh, stopped Worrying and Learned to Love the Bomb, I believe. <laughs> it was,
0: no, no, no. It's, what is it? It's, it's Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb.
1: There you go. There you go. It's or. It's very,
0: important, or.
1: very important. Very important, that second half there. Uh, so it was made uh, 1964. It stars Peter Sellers as three different characters, which he does phenomenal at. I um. I, the first part of this movie, I, you get introduced to two of them pretty like early on, and I had no idea it was the same guy. <laughs> I had to look it up, and I was very, very uh, surprised. It's awesome. It's basically uh, <laughs> an American Air Force. Uh, one of the generals decides to give a order uh, that is unauthorized that basically cuts off communication and tells these... Uh, airplanes to nuclear bomb part of Russia. And uh, it's all about how when the scenes change from like the guys in the airplane to the crazy general that set the order to the war room trying to deal with this mistaken situation that could start a nuclear war. And it's a fabulous, fabulous realistic comedy, I feel like.
0: And what grade would you give it? Mm -hmm. i love that
1: i would say (laughs) i would probably give this one like like a b plus i'd give this one a b plus because i'm i'm already kind of hard on comedies in general because they're not my favorite uh but I'd say this one does pretty good. It doesn't, like, work too hard to make it funny. It's just the things that would naturally happen in a situation like this are hilarious.
0: (laughs) After the success of of his controversial film Lolita, Stanley Kubrick looked for another novel to adapt and came across the Cold War thriller Red Alert. At one point, while trying to write the novel into a serious film, Kubrick started laughing and realized how ridiculous the entire premise of nuclear war was. So... He made the film into a black comedy, unlike any we'd seen before or since. The creation of this film led to some very interesting stories. Ariana, let's talk about some of those stories.
1: They're bound to be juicy.
0: George C. Scott, who plays the infantile, I'd argue, General Turgidson, the actor was almost tricked into giving his great performance. To explain, Kubrick would tell the actor to do an extreme over-the-top take as rehearsal. Kubrick would then tell his cameraman to roll the camera. Those quote-unquote rehearsal takes were often used in the final film, much to Scott's disdain.
1: Why? They're so good. I loved his character.
0: (laughs) In the final film, Peter Sellers was cast to play the president, Dr. Strangelove, and Mandrake. However, initially, he was also cast to play Major Kong. But after Sellers sprained his ankle, he could not work in the small cockpit set, So, Kubrick casts Slim Pickens, who plays the nuclear bomb riding major in the final film. Another Slim Pickens related fact is that weeks before Dr. Strangelove's release, President John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. Originally in the film, Slim Pickens has a line which goes, A fella could have a pretty good weekend in Dallas with all that stuff. Before the film's release, Dallas was replaced with Vegas.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, like, he doesn't say Dallas. Oh. <laughs> wow. I guess that's good they are being sensitive. They didn't want to, like, get, get, get any mix-up about how they felt about the assassination. So I guess that's pretty reasonable.
0: What did you think of Slim Picken's performance?
1: I thought he was great. Yeah. I thought he was really, really good. I thought, uh... I mean, like I said, like, realistic comedy. If something like that were to come through, I mean... I'd be really shocked but like, also, gotta do my duty, you know?
0: Speaking of the cockpit, Ariana, the creation of that set was based off of an actual photograph of the interior of of a B-52 aircraft. When members of the military were invited to the set, they stated that the cockpit was shockingly close to classified reality. So much so, in fact, that Kubrick asked the production designer to make sure that he had his references ready in order to make sure the production did not get in too much trouble from the military.
1: Wow. That's kind of intense. I mean, considering what this movie is about, especially. <laughs> like, I'm just going to double release classified information while I make fun of nuclear warfare.
0: I mean, it, it was just kind of, it was just it was one of those things where they got like one public photograph and then they kind of like guesstimated it like they, and they kind of calculated, okay, this is in, in relation to that. And so they so they constructed it based off of that. And so, but they got, they got pretty close.
1: Yeah. It looks great. It definitely feels like that's how it would look. There's a lot of buttons, though.
0: <laughs> and that's exactly, uh, like, the communication system that they use in the movie. That's, that's, I think that was, like, exactly what they did. You know? Yeah. Like, they didn't have telephone. It
1: felt pretty legitimate. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the, the way that they coded everything and, like, the, the opening up of the safe or like, Top secret, like, military maneuvers and everything like that. I thought that was pretty cool. And I'm like, this feels pretty legitimate. That's When you first start watching this movie, you don't really realize it's a, a comedy. It just is kind of like... It feels like, oh, they ordered a nuclear attack. Okay. It's not until it's admitted that it's a mistake. The war room scene where Br- Colonel Burke, or whatever his name is, is telling the president <laughs> that this happened was... The, fir- the first moment I realized, oh my gosh, this is hilarious. Because the look on Peter Sellers' face as the president, when he's like, you, they ordered them to do what? <laughs> it was pure, yeah. it was gold, it was gold, comedy gold.
0: Pretty much. So Ariana, still on the subject of set design. Cooper insisted that the circular table in the war room be covered in green baize, despite the fact that the film was shot in black and white. Green Bays being, you know, like, the stuff they cover poker tables. Yeah. His reasoning was that he wanted his actors to feel like they were playing a game of poker for the fate of the world.
1: Very nice. Very nice. I'd say that one paid off.
0: The final scene in the War Room was not supposed to be what it is now. Instead, the War Room was supposed to devolve into the mother of all pie fights.
1: Wow. It turned out perfect. I mean, the whole movie, like, it's about Dr. Strangelove, and so... I feel like it needed to end on that you know up until that point you don't get a ton of him you get like one good speech and a few like quirky moments but you don't really see a ton of what he's about exactly until the very end (laughs) and I don't think if it would have ended the other way it would have taken away from the film I think
0: yeah What's interesting is that I saw there was a Stanley Kubrick traveling exhibition that uh, came to San Francisco at one point uh, a couple years ago. I went to it and I saw like the production photographs of the Pie Fight, and I was like, "Whoa, that's that's that that's one of the big what ifs of cinema," you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, what do you think? Do you think it could have uh, done something for the film that it didn't get at, with the Peter Sellers ending?
0: No, no, I I, I love the Peter Sellers ending.
1: Mike Fure. I can walk. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So random. It's so random.
1: Yeah. And I think it's hilarious that it ends on that. Like right before that, he's like the one of the colonels is like, oh, no, 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 not the colonel. The Russian ambassador is like, I think that's a fine idea. After talking about "Mm, we can select our women to enjoy the physical pleasures of. Basically being subject to one man versus all ten of us, you know. It's like you've got you think you've got a fine idea there. He goes, Oh, thank you. And the next thing you know, he's just walking. <laughs> and then the movie's over.
0: Yeah. It's like, oh. Then nuclear destruction.
1: Yep, nuclear destruction ensues.
0: <laughs> when the film was released, it was not only hugely successful, but it influenced a whole generation of filmmakers, including none other than Steven Spielberg. Spielberg recounts how, when he was waiting in line to see Dr. Strangelove for the first time, his father drove up to him and handed him a letter. The letter informed the young Spielberg that he would need to report for his army physical to see whether or not he would be drafted into the military to fight in the Vietnam War. He thought his life could be over in a year. With the letter in his back pocket, Steven Spielberg decided to stay and watch Strangelove. He later said that by the time he left the theater, he had forgotten about the letter, Spielberg later cited the battle sequences in *Doctor Strangelove* as an influence on the battle sequences in his later film *Saving Private Ryan*.
1: Really, well, that's cool. I mean, if there's um, I think there's a great film to pull from, in terms of like military structure mm-hmm. and relationships. Even though it it's added, there's a bit of a satire, or, you know, a little ridiculousness thrown in there. <laughs> it still it feels pretty legitimate. I think that's why it's so funny.
0: Speaking of realistic. It was so realistic that when Reagan was sworn into office in the 80s, he asked to see the war room, and he was informed there's no war room.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. After being in politics for that long, you'd think he'd know that there's no war room.
0: Due to the success of Dr. Strangelove, Kubrick was given total creative control to create his next film, The Legendary, 2001, A Space Odyssey.
1: Wow. Total creative control. I mean, when I there's a lot of Stanley Kubrick creative control in this movie too. Like he directed it, he helped produce it, he took part in the screenplay. Like he was pretty involved in a lot of aspects of it. So I can see why they're like, okay, you you pretty much ran the show for this, so you can totally run the show for your next one.
0: One of the co-screenwriters was named Terry Southern, who would also go on to help write. The blockbuster film, Easy Rider. (gasps) Listeners, if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, shoot us an email at independentcreatorstudios at gmail.com. And if you are so inclined, please rate us and write a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. We'd love to hear your feedback. Behind the Flicks was created and recorded by myself and Ariana. I researched, wrote, and edited this episode. My name is Andrew Gentile. This has been an independent Creator Studios production.